Welcome back to New Rockstars. This is the big question, the show that gives you too much information on how the multiple timelines of the multiverse can be cut up, glued back together, and stylized with some glitter and painted macaroni like an arts and crafts project you made at summer camp. Cute. My name is MT and I'm here today with off-screen producer Brandon. What's going on, Brandon? Hello, MT. What's our big question for today, Brandon? Okay, MT. With confirmation that the Marvel series from Netflix, much beloved, are coming to Disney Plus on March 16th, we have to wonder if these series are ever going to be accepted into the broader MCU as part of its canon. Come on. Isn't right. the tent big enough? Bring them in. Right? Bring them in. I want my Hellcat, man. I want my Trish Walker Hellcat in the Midnight Suns. Let's go. I know. I know. So, I mean, at first you're all probably sitting at your computers or uh, looking at your phones thinking like, heck no, this is never going to happen. But if you dive a little deeper, maybe there's a little trickier answer than you might think. And it all leads us mm. to this week's big question. Sorry, mm. scrolling, scrolling. How will Marvel? <laughs> how will the Marvel Netflix series fit into the broader MCU? Ah, yes. I like this question because it's true that back in the days before Disney+, Plus, Marvel Studios lent out some of their precious IP. ABC made shows like Agent Carter and Humans and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Hulu had Runaways, FX had Legion, and all of them were Marvel characters, but pretty much existed outside of the main MCU canon. Except for, you know, Agent Carter, which seems to have been brought into the fold with Jarvis showing up in Endgame, as we remember. But perhaps the most beloved of these Marvel side stories were those of a set of heroes that operated in and around New York City. These were Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist, who would later team up to become the Defenders, as well as everyone's favorite vigilante with a skull on his shirt, The Punisher. But while so many of these shows were beloved by fans of the MCU, Kevin Feige was pretty clear that these were not MCU canon. As recently as 2019, around the time of the launch of Disney+, and the announcement of some new Marvel series appearing on the streaming platform, Feige was quoted as saying, Disney Plus is going to give us this opportunity to tell even deeper stories about characters you already know and love. And for the first time, we'll interlink. So this pretty much confirms that what we had come before wasn't interlinked with the main MCU timeline and therefore wasn't canon. But now that these Netflix series are coming home to Disney Plus, could Feige be changing his tune? So let's start with what seems to be the biggest potential inclusion, the one that everybody cares about, our favorite blind brother, Daredevil. Mm. <laughs> one of the biggest surprises we got early in Spider-Man No Way Home was the appearance of our favorite lawyer, our good lawyer, Matt Murdock, uh, pre preventing bricks from causing people to have uh, <laughs> concussions. Um, very nice man. Um, I hope they paid him extra, but let's be real. Peter's a broke ass bitch. Yeah, do, you, do uh, does your does your lawyer bill you if he stops you from getting like hit in the head with a brick? Does that get added on I as think an so. extra fee? Yeah, yeah, we threw in an extra billable hour because I caught a brick and saved you from a lifetime of uh, CTE. So you're welcome. He just bills you like whatever the hospital would have billed you. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> but, That's a lot. The, but yeah, his adeptness with catching an errant brick that came flying through the window confirms that this Matt Murdock is imbued with the abilities to make him the Daredevil. So this, of course, happened the same week that Vincent D'Onofrio showed up as Kingpin once again on the Kate Bishop program, as I like to call it. <laughs> but other people call it Hawkeye. A series that took place around the same time as the events of Spider-Man No Way Home, with even that little, uh, that same area showing up in the final swing. Yeah, of no yeah, Way seeing Home. Rockefeller Center with the ice skating rink and the Christmas tree. 
I love that LA area. Nice memories there. A lot of shrunken uh, suit jacket people. <laughs> the horrific death of a of a bro, bro mafia member who gets yes. eaten by an owl. Jesus Christ! <laughs> dark, dark death stuff. by owl. I mean, oh my gosh. Owls are pretty deadly. I mean, Matt Reeves is talking about the Batman sequel being a uh, court of owls. So you know, it's it's a season for owls. You know what I'm saying? Who knows? Who knows? Who who, who knows? <laughs> So this would seem to confirm that at least Daredevil was being brought into the main MCU canon. But is this the same Daredevil or a variant? I think, you know, the easiest answer, right, is that these are variants of both Matt Murdock and Kingpin, right? They've right. got to be variants. And this is uh, yeah. right after Loki basically spelled out for the MCU, like, hey, we can show the same character a hundred times and have them be a hundred different versions of it. There's infinite timelines, infinite variants. They can look the same. They can look different. That's got to be it, right? I just feel like Daredevil as a series on Netflix, a lot of the things that happened might be a little bit too rough for yeah. the main Disney-fied MCU to sort of dive into. Both Kingpin and uh, uh, Daredevil, played by Vincent D'Onofrio and Charlie Cox, respectively, were the most beloved of these Netflix heroes. When Feige kind of put out that statement that was like, eh, it's all, they're not, it's not ever going to be canon. Everyone was kind of like, uh, really? But like these two, they're like, come on, please, at least these two, even if these are variants, the audience at least understands the motivations of these characters in the same way that like you don't have to do a Spider-Man origin story anymore because everyone knows how Spider-Man originated. You don't have to do it as much with these characters because you could be like, well, if you really want to know what their backstory is, go check out, you know, the the series that are now on Disney Plus that once were on Netflix. Mm. Do you think, MT, that this Daredevil and this Kingpin in the MCU know each other yet? Have they had any interaction yet? Mm. Or do you think they're, they're going to meet for the first time all over again? Given how Hawkeye ended and like given that whole showdown and knowing that we know that Daredevil is in the area... I just find it weird that he didn't show up because like it seemed like a really big thing that happened. Maybe we have a, a Matt Murdock that hasn't really had interaction with Wilson Fix. Maybe he's at his beginning stages like we see, you know, the, yeah. the new Batman movie. If, if they are going the route of making this a new version of the character, it would be really smart for Kevin Feige to do that where there's like sort of just in, reintroduce their conflict and just sort of just cement it like, yeah, I know you guys already saw this. Because this is a different universe. Like, yeah, you're yeah. seeing a new origin story. Yeah, when they introduced Kingpin on the Hawkeye series, you know, he at first looked the same. He was, he was wearing a suit. But then he's like Hawaiian mm -hmm. shirt Kingpin. And he's working in a garage. Mm -hmm. He's not working in like a very fancy office. He doesn't seem quite the same as the Kingpin we right. knew from the Netflix series. I mean, I would love if, you know... Sure, this Daredevil and Kingpin have been in the background of the MCU the whole time. It's not the same ones you saw on Netflix, but they've been in the background, these characters. And maybe they were building up to a meeting, but maybe, like, Kingpin got blipped. Like, how great would it be if, like, mm. you know, Daredevil was on the case. He was looking, who was funding all these crime syndicates in, in Hell's Kitchen. And it, just as he burst into Kingpin's office, like, that's when the snap happened. And he was like, hello? Nobody here. And then five five years goes by and he forgets all about that character because he's no longer showing his influence. Daredevil's got to deal with a New York City that's going through, you know, the, the blip. 
Uh, and then five yeah. years later, you know, King Ben comes back and he's got to start all over again. Like his whole empire is gone. And I think that's a great motivation for him. Like he's so pissed. He was on top of the world and he gets blipped away and now the world's totally different. He's like, no, no, I got to build up from the bottom again and I'll do it because I'm the kingpin. Vanessa! You took that away from me! You took everything! First time. Actually, Brendan, I think that's a super great idea. I would love that scenario because it makes a lot of sense. But I actually think Kingpin was alive during the internet. You just have to say that you're fine when you're not really fine, but you just can't get into it because they would never understand. Ronan kills Echo's father who was working for kingpin right and, and he got tipped kingpin off sort of orchestrated right? yeah. yeah you might be right mt but who cares right <laughs> just write the stories make them fun yeah. who cares yeah because you mentioned how you know agent carter i think has pretty much been believed to have been absorbed fully into the mcu you know yeah, agents of much. shield was supposed to be part of the mcu they were very much mm -hmm. in it the beginning you know they had like nick fury show up and lady sif and maria hill but then they were like Eh, this isn't the MCU anymore because S.H.I.E.L.D.'s full of Hydra, but we like having Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so we have to keep doing this show. I know it's our job to help this guy and everything, but I think this guy's a lost cause. With Netflix, they were like, maybe one day they'll bring us in, and so they kept very broad language, but yeah, I think maybe they had a Battle of New York that was very different. Maybe it didn't involve the Shatari. Mm -hmm. I think you're right that it's it's still kind of separate. I really would love if they established that Daredevil had just been there the whole time and they just never called on his mm -hmm. help because he was busy dealing with Hell's Kitchen, but I think this is a variant Daredevil and a variant uh, Kingpin. Is it even possible to bring in one Netflix character without the others, given how connected their series were on Netflix? These shows were designed to be in such a way that, you know, you had like characters showing up on, on multiple shows. You had the Night Nurse character played by Rosario Dawson, who showed up in like all of them and then showed up in The Defenders. Mm -hmm. Jessica Jones like killed uh, someone who worked with Luke Cage in the prison. Like it was all very, very interconnected. But right. I don't know if you could fully bring one of these Netflix series characters without it you know everyone hanging on being like no i'm there too you gotta drag <laughs> me in too we, we we talk to each other on the show you gotta bring me in it would be interesting if they somehow found a way to do that especially with all this multiverse of madness stuff you know uh the comics had to deal with this right marvel comics had to deal with this problem they had where they had so many different universes and timelines and, and books that they just smashed them all together and reshuffled the deck and said like, okay, these are your heroes now. All the other universes are dead. Who cares? Um, so <laughs> it would be weird and very fun if they found a way in Multiverse of Madness to like just pluck out a few characters and be like, no, this story, this is the same Jessica Jones you saw uh, on Netflix, but we've pulled her out of her universe and plopped her into the MCU. Like that would be really fascinating. I would really love if they were to do that because like a lot of people would appreciate that. And I feel like a Secret Wars scenario would definitely mm. open the doors. You'd just be like, hey, I'm MCU Daredevil. Oh, yeah, I'm Netflix <laughs> Daredevil. Let's team up and fight together in this really long hallway. Two big hallways from different universes. <laughs> the longest <laughs> hallway together. Charlie Cox clearing two checks on that day. Well, now let's put a pivot on over to another three-season series on Netflix. Jessica Jones, my girl, Kirsten Ritter with the uh, leather jacket and the jeans. But this was another fan favorite that a lot of people hope would be pulled into the MCU. And one of the biggest challenges into bringing the series into the main canon would potentially be the conflict of a major villain from season two would cause. In that season, the show introduced Dr. Carl Malice as the person that imbued Jessica Jones and her mother with the superhuman abilities. And in the comics, Dr. Carl Malice works with the Power Broker at Power Broker Incorporated. Given that Falcon and the Winter Soldier introduced Sharon Carter as the Power Broker, 
could this potential conflict prevent Jessica Jones from ever coming over, like, full stop? We were all kind of wondering when we were watching Falcon Winter Soldier and, like, they were teasing the power broker, like, could they just bring over Dr. Carl Malice and be like, this is it, you know, this is the same guy. And that probably would have been a super fun idea, uh, but they didn't do that. I'm sure they have a great plan for Sharon Carter as the power broker. I, I think you're right that we'll see her in like Armor Wars. I think the fact that there was already like a power broker, even though I don't think, mm. believe they ever said the words power broker on that series, but it was pretty heavily implied. It was like sort of like a similar type of vibe to what they were introduced in Falcon and the Winter Soldier with, you know, right. uh, the superpower program being worked and like people getting superpowers. It would make sense that if this super soldier serum exists, there would be multiple people trying to recreate it constantly, especially if you can get your hands on like if there's still blood floating around. It seems like every couple of years they discover a new safe that has blood inside of it and they're like, oh, look, more, more blood. Uh, <laughs> it's so, more blood. Hooray. Yeah, yeah. It would be said that there's a bunch of different companies making knockoff serums. And if Sharon yeah. Carter is this criminal mastermind and realizes there is a power broker out there. Uh, who gets killed by Jessica Jones, she could then slide in and be like, no, I'm the power broker now. And that just adds to more mm. confusion about who it really is and who's really behind all these programs. Or maybe, you know, mm. Sharon Carter is overseeing every version of the power broker. Every group that's trying to recreate the super soldier serum, she's like in charge of that. It's like her own syndicate of all these different scientists trying to make super soldier serums. Super soldier serums. Uh, super soldier serums, super soldier serums, super soldier serums. <laughs> that's that's like our whole deal now is like just trying to find the best way to recreate it. But hey, is Jessica Jones the recipient of the super soldier serum in the MCU though? Do you, are you asking if I think she's a, what we would qualify as a super soldier. She's on the level of Captain America yeah. and on the level of um, the Winter Soldier and Bucky and all that stuff. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, I think you got to call her a super soldier. They never say those words on Jessica Jones, as far as I remember. But I think she is a super soldier. I think she's got the same kind of juice, mm. especially after what we've seen with the Flag Smashers, right? Like you can get, oh, you yeah, can get the sure. power without the muscles. You don't always need the muscles anymore. I love that comparison with the Flag Smashers because like I never really thought about it. But like when the Flag Smashers were moving and like fighting, they kind of felt like Jessica Jones a little bit. Like yeah, street people, exactly. like, they were dressed like regular people. Just fighting with superpowers. So, like, yeah, I would definitely call Jessica Jones a super soldier because of, you know, she got a type of serum and she got juiced up. That's super yeah. soldier to me. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And I think of, like, of a lot of these characters, like, she's the easiest one to bring over. So I think she makes the mm. most sense as someone who just, like, slips right in. Like, she never got into these big, crazy fights with villains. You know, she was always lurking kind of on very small scale, doing her private investigator thing. I think it'd be very easy to explain, like, yeah, she's been there the whole time. You didn't notice her, you know, because she's just dealing with sm much smaller <laughs> stuff. Much smaller stuff. Yeah, she's just doing no private investigating. Man, no big deal. <laughs> I really want to see Jessica Jones cameo in She-Hulk. I would love because it. Because I love it. It'd be perfect. Private investigator, lawyer, both strong women. Let's go. Mm -hmm. Come on, Kevin. Let's get happen. Let's go. Let's go. But next up on the consideration docket, we have Luke Cage. Because this show got two seasons on Netflix and introduced a whole host of characters and criminals from the Luke Cage comics. Shout out to Bushmaster, one of my favorite villains. I just thought he was a really cool dude. Just the way he moved and like, I don't know. But Brazil! One of the biggest conflicts here might be the double casting that would be taking place should the series come to MCU canon land. Because of course, 
Mahershala Ali played Cottonmouth on Luke Cage expertly, one of the greatest film performances I've ever seen in the MCU. Also, shout out to your boy Shades, Shades. But now Mahershala Ali is booked to be Blade. And Alfre Woodard was of course Mariah Dillard, and she was also Miriam Sharp, the grieving mother who confronts Tony Stark. But does double casting really matter in the MCU? As Gemma Chan has portrayed both Cersei in Eternals and Minerva in Captain Marvel. So like, can it happen? Should it happen? Like, I mean, people on? look similar, right, MT? We all have our weird doppelgangers out in the world. Uh, this is true. You know, <laughs> and spoiler alert, if you haven't watched uh, Luke Cage, but Cottonmouth doesn't make it through the whole first season. I don't think it's a conflict. It's not like Lade's ever going to run into Cottonmouth, you know. Um, <laughs> and, you know, frankly, there was such good world building in Luke Cage and such a, a vast array of diverse characters. I think it's really a shame mm. that the MCU doesn't bring them all in, you know. And Gemma Chan playing two characters, you know, Minerva was like a pretty small character in Captain Marvel. Plus, she was an alien who looked completely different, mm. you know, so it, it doesn't cause as much confusion for people. I think, you know, Blade and Cottonmouth looking very similar might be tough for people to get past, but I, I don't think mm. casting should stop uh, the MCU from pulling these things in. People just are really excited to see these characters as part of the movie. Right. Like, oh my god, that looks just like Cottonmouth. Who really cares at the end of the day? Yeah. Like, there was a purple man with uh, rainbow stones, and, you know, nothing really makes sense anymore. <laughs> Tiamat's sticking out of the water over there, okay? Well, exactly, like, like his head is like, Okay, eh. now. Like, Who cares if I look like a guy? Really? Okay. I'm a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> Next, we have the Punisher, because I think the main thing that would keep the Punisher from joining the main MCU timeline has got to be the extreme graphic violence associated with Frank Castle. <laughs> because we've yet to have like an R-rated MCU film, and unless Kevin Feige is ready to get super, super dark, I don't think we'll be seeing this one anytime soon. But yeah. what, what do you think? I don't think the MCU wants the Punisher at all. I mean, the show was yeah. you know, a lot of fun. It was it's it's fun to have these like moments of like graphic violence within all this comic book mm. stuff. Like that's what makes like Suicide Squad and Peacemaker a lot of fun, right? It's oh, it's like an R-rated, more adult, heavy stuff. But I just don't even see how Frank Castle comes mm. into the MCU. Uh, even in the comic books right now, they've kind of tweaked Punisher a little bit. He's got like a new logo. You know, because I think the Skull logo, whatever you think of it, gets gets used by different groups out there in our world, uh, for better or for mm -hmm. worse. So I don't know if the MCU really wants to get into all that. And the Punisher, you know, as a character has evolved over the years to try and address the issues that that character brings up. I, I do not see Kevin Feige touching the Punisher, let alone any version of the Punisher. A sickness that sneaks in through the cracks. The way that Brussels sprouts sneak onto a plate of delicious macaroni and cheese. I don't care if it's Netflix or whatever. <laughs> I don't think the MCU wants to deal with the Punisher. I think they're just like, no thank you. <laughs> That's not a knock on the comics. They're fun. Read them. Read whatever you want. So smart me. Enjoy books so much. I just don't think it fits into the MCU that we know and love right now. Yeah. If, if we were to see the Punisher, I think it would have to be a Punisher that was very much... You know, a villain, like presented as a villain at first right. and probably has like very drastically different motivations than what we've seen probably in the comics and even the Netflix series. I think the best way for Marvel to do this, and this is going to sound wild, but like put him in space. Like if you shoot aliens, <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Yeah, put him out there with the Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy. Who cares? Yo, straight up, like put Punisher in space, make him like a space bounty hunter or whatever. I don't know, not a bounty hunter, but like a space psycho 
yeah. and like have them shoot aliens. Who cares yeah. if aliens die? Yeah, get them off our planet. We don't need them here. Who cares if a bunch of aliens gotta die? <laughs> I mean, like obviously, like I care if aliens die, but like you get more of a pass to kill alien-looking people than you know people-looking people because you, you can detach I, yourself. From I that. totally agree with that. Uh, Eternals two. It starts. Harry Styles comes walking down the hallway and he's like, hey, I got someone else to come with us. And it's Frank Castle, baby. <laughs> We're going to go shoot Erisham in the skull. <laughs> We're shooting this <laughs> That's a free one for you, Kevin Feige. Cosmic revenge. Nothing like it, really. But hey, when it comes to Iron Fist, I think the biggest thing that might keep it from coming into the main MCU might be the events of Shang-Chi. Because that would have been the easiest way to include Iron Fist into MCU canon but it never really happened because, you know, and Jessica Henwick, who played the character Colleen Wing on Iron Fist, stated that she was actually offered the role of Xia Ling in Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, but turned it down in the hopes that she would be able to reprise her role as Colleen Wing. So perhaps there's a possibility that the Iron Fist story could be brought up into a sequel to Shang-Chi, but we'd have to wait and see. You know, this is a difficult one, and I love what they did at Shang-Chi. It would make sense for, like, Iron Fist and Shang-Chi to meet up just because of their, you know, uh, martial arts backgrounds and their fighting styles and kind of that mysticism. Mm. You got to give it to Jessica Henwick for, like, sticking to her guns and be like, no, I want to play Colleen Wing. I don't want to be Shia Honestly, Jessica Henwick is the best part of the Iron Fist Mm. series. She's phenomenal. I think that she needs to be in the MCU as a... Like, permanent staple. So, like, if she wants to come back, as if we can implement Colleen Wing, especially with the way that Iron Fist Season 2 ended. Yeah, it was going to be a show where Iron Fist and his his buddies travel around, like, kung fu, doing mm. good, fighting baddies, kind of getting out of New York City. I think it would be really cool to include it in the Shang-Chi sequel. Just be like, hey, we ran into this guy. and Look what the powers he's got. But, yeah, I don't know if that actor is ready to get into it all. He got a lot of criticism. He got a lot of heat. It seemed mm. like he really liked the character and liked the show. But you're totally right yeah. that I hope that they bring back Jessica Henricks because, like, she was awesome. Yeah, I think both Finn Jones and Jessica Henwick deserve another shot at both of their roles. When these actors first sign up to these roles, they don't want to do a bad job. And, like, yeah. everyone wants to do their best. Like, do their best. So, like, if there's an opportunity for a second chance for people to really love Iron Fist uh, it, it, because it's in a different universe, I say give it to them. Why not? Like, mm-hmm. let's just see if we can make it work. But also, I am a proponent of an Asian Iron Fist. So let's just cast an Asian Iron Fist. I think that would be great. And, you know, I love what they did with Shang-Chi. It looks so different. It felt so different. I love the fighting Mm. styles that we saw in that film. Yeah, bring bring Iron Fist into that world and expand it even Mm -hmm. more. Let's go. You don't belong here. I'm Danny Rand. Now that we have it all laid out, what do you think the likelihood is of the Netflix series being brought as canon into the main MCU, Brandon? I think as it is entirely, very small. Very small chance. Not gonna happen! No, not gonna happen! (laughs) Mm. Um, But I do think there's an opportunity. Yes, we're gonna see variants. I think you're definitely gonna see variants. But I think there Mm. is an opportunity to bring at least one or two of the same characters as they are, get brought over from the Netflix series and put into the main MCU. You know, whether that's through some multiversal shenanigans, whether that's through a little sling ring portal, whether that's through whatever happened in Spider-Man No Way Home, you know, Bring, bring one or two of them <laughs> over and be like, how did I get here? Where am I? Where's my home? How did I get here? You know, and just have to be forced to live in the MCU uh, and make their way through it. I think it would be really cool and a really fun way to incorporate some of these characters. What about you, MT? I share very similar views. Like, I think that the Netflix series probably won't be canon, like, 100%. I think that a lot of the stuff that happened in the Netflix series could be brought over as canon. The people 
need to be reminded that the city belongs to me. Um, but I just think that, you know, Kevin Feige wants to just tell his own story. But like you said, if there's an opportunity for a No Way Home situation to open up so we can yeah. just see those characters again as they were in the Netflix series, let's get it. I think Feige's going to pull one scroll fake out on us, too. We're going to see, like, Ooh. you know, Jessica Jones walking down the street. And we're like, oh, it's Krista Ritter. It's Jessica Jones. And someone's going to shoot her in the head. She's going to, like, turn into a scroll. We're going to be like, all right. Oh, oh my God. Kevin Feige. Screw you, Kevin Feige. My heart would be broken. <laughs> He's going to do like, it. Imagine. He's going to do a scroll fake out. I that would be, like, the biggest. Because Jessica Jones is, like, the most, like, I, I hate all this, like, superhero shit. I yeah, hate all yeah, this weird shit type of person. So if she was a scroll, I'd be like, wow, I don't trust none of you people. None <laughs> of you people. But, hey. Time is running out on grabbing the Batman-inspired latest obsession shirt over at NewRockstarsMerch.com. There's a limited supply of the cool Gotham Noir design, so grab one quick before it disappears back into the shadows like Batman. And before we dive into our bite-sized questions next, some words from the people that help bring us big question to you. People like Masterclass, because with Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. You can learn how to write from Malcolm Gladwell, how to play chess from Gary Kasparov, or how to learn how to make beats from Timbaland. With over 100 classes from a range of world-class instructors, that thing that you've always wanted to do is closer than you think. For film and TV fans like the staff at New Rockstars, Masterclass has a really cool variety of classes to take. You can take directing classes from Spike Lee or Werner Herzog acting classes from Natalie Portman or Samuel L. Jackson, or even get into screenwriting and storytelling with Neil Gaiman, which is dope. And the classes are beautifully shot and edited, so they're engaging and interesting to watch, and the lessons are broken up into short, digestible sections. You can polish off a few cooking classes with Gordon Ramsay on your phone, TV, or computer while you wait for the next new Rockstars video to upload. We highly recommend that you check it out and get unlimited access to every masterclass, and as a Big Question audience member, you get 15% off an annual membership. So go to masterclass.com slash big question now. That's masterclass.com slash big question for 15% off masterclass. Check it out. We're super busy right now at New Rock Stars with no sign of things slowing down in the near future. Online shopping isn't slowing down anytime soon either. Either, either. Ooh. Is your business ready to keep up with the pace? With ShipStation, you'll never worry about shipping again. Make the switch to handle all your shipping needs quickly, affordably, and painlessly. ShipStation is already trusted by over 100,000 e-commerce sellers. You can track orders from any sales channel, easily find the best shipping carrier with deeply discounted rates, and automate shipping tasks with just a few clicks. We really appreciate how much time ShipStation saves us when we need to ship things. It frees up time so we can use it to make more content. Or, you know, rewatch all of Jessica Jones again. We, we love Jessica Jones. <laughs> we got to keep watching it. Don't make her a scroll, Kevin. Exactly. Yeah, take it all back. 98% of companies that use ShipStation for a year keep using it for as long as they're in business. That's how great it is. Ship more in less time with ShipStation. Use our offer code BIGQUESTION to get a 60-day free trial. That's two months free of no-hassle, stress-free shipping. Just go to ShipStation.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the page and type Big Question. No space in between. Big Question. ShipStation. Make ship happen. Hey. hey! But now, everybody, it's time for our favorite part of the show: it's the bite-sized questions. Nom 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 Bite-sized questions. Now, my friend Brad, are you ready for this one? I'm ready. Because I'm ready for EMT. Our friend Hyde Diworm on Discord asks: Did Thanos first snap just any Eternals on Earth or any other planets or the Celestials? 
Mm. Hide the worm, huh? Well, that's a fantastic mm-hmm. question, my friend. We often forget that Thanos' actions affected not only the life on Earth, but throughout the entire cosmos. I mean, it was probably exactly. insanely weird for a lot of planets who had no idea what was going on with Thanos or the Infinity Stones yeah. to just one day, like, everyone disappeared. And then one day, five years later, everyone came back and they were like, what the hell is going on? What is this? <laughs> There's probably some crazy religions that came about because of this. There's probably oh, some yeah. people who Matt, think they have powers. I, I would probably guess that whole thing happening in uh, freaking Moon Knight has yeah. to do with the staff. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's some... If you had no idea what was going on, you were like, what is happening? Um, <laughs> but what about the Celestials and the Eternals, huh? Were they immune from mm. Thanos' actions? Let's start with the Eternals. And thankfully, Eric Eisenberg, a reporter for Cinema Blend, asked Eternals director Chloe Zhao this exact Chloe. question. And she had a pretty interesting take on the quandary. He asked her if the Eternals lost any members during the blip, and she said, Well, I can't say this out loud, but if you think about it, if you think about what the Celestials told them, if you think about what the Celestials told them about themselves, technically they can't get blipped. That's what she said. That's what she said. They can't get blipped. Interesting. So there's two big things to take away from this quote. Number one, She said she couldn't say it out loud, which means she's either speaking well beyond the bounds of the MCU canon she's allowed to create, or she's letting out a secret story detail that will be part of Eternals 2. Either way, filmmakers for the MCU, such as the Russo brothers, have been allowed to clarify points of canon post-film, so we should accept that as canon for now. She says they can't get blipped, they can't get blipped. And number two, this is the important thing to take away, uh, the non-organic nature of the Eternals because they're androids, it kind of kept them exempt from Thanos' little Infinity Stone spell, right? He's trying to wipe out Mm. half the life in the universe, a.k.a. living sentient beings. If the Eternals technically aren't living, then it would seem that they're safe from what Thanos had done. You know, that's pretty simple. Plus, I Mm. think in the Eternals, when they were talking about the blip, someone would have mentioned, like, yeah, and I was gone for five years, too. Uh, You know, they didn't say that. They were just sitting around chatting. So they're just... (laughs) Heartless robots who were safe from everything Thanos did and did nothing to help. They did nothing to help. Rude. Get these Eternals off my planet. If I was Dane Whitman and I was dating Cersei, I'd be like, ah. He is so nice to her. (laughs) You should be like, "Uh, I mean, you look nice, but you should have helped. Like, are you serious? Like, come on, man. Bruh, come on. Come on, bruh. That would at least cause at least a couple of relationship arguments on my part. Because I would be like, yeah, what the f***? He's, about to, he's about to turn around and fight with her in the park, and then she just goes away, and he's like, well, well, guess we don't get to have that fight. <laughs> She's like, why didn't you wash the dishes? Why didn't you help fight Thanos? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Oh, Sometimes you're leaving now? Don't do you're leaving now? You. Wash the dishes before you go. <laughs> like, how long, how, how long do you think Dane Whitman waits before he goes on, like, another date? This is a bite-size within the bite-size at- question. <laughs> He knows that she's an Eternal and that she's a robot and that she's lived for like 5,000 years. So like, I think he's allowed to go on a date pretty quickly after she disappeared, right? I mean, I, I Wanda, it took her a little bit to get over her Android. So maybe- That's different. That's completely thing. different. That's completely different, MT. <laughs> like, Wanda, Wanda had to that... watch her love get <laughs> destroyed by Thanos. Come back to life, <laughs> killed again. Then sees, then she disappears. Comes back, has to fight Thanos immediately. Doesn't even see her husband's body, true. her love's body. Then she sees it all cut up on a table. Dane Whitman's just at a park, and Cersei disappears 
He's allowed to go on a date a week later, I think. A week! I give him a week. But, like, is Cersei even a girlfriend at that point? A lot of mm. questions you can even you can be mm. raised. Because, like, is she a person? Like, are you dating a person? It's like with Wanda. Was Wanda dating a person in a vision? It's, it, I don't he's know. Half, he's, that's half a whole he's half human. He's half human. He's got a soul. He's got a soul. Into. How dare you? He's got a he's soul. Got a he's soul. got a soul. In my heart, they're both everybody's people. All right. Anyway. <laughs> we wrapped up that bite size. Now we're back to the main bite size. Uh, what about the yes. Celestials? Okay, we covered the Eternals. They mm. can't be blipped. But what about this uh, Celestials? The film mm. uh, Eternals did establish that the Celestials existed before the Infinity Stones. Uh, and then mm. they may have, in fact, been the ones to create the Infinity Stones. In the comic books, some, some storylines have said that like the Celestials created the Infinity Stones. But it's not yet fully laid out in main MCU canon that it was the Celestials who made the Infinity Stones. But if they if they mm. did make the Infinity Stones, I would think they would put in a a fail safe that would kind of like prevent them from being used against them. You know what I mean? Like we're gonna make mm. Infinity Stones; they're gonna be super powerful, but you can't use them against us. So that makes yeah. me think that they didn't create the Infinity Stones because I think they exist beyond the Celestials. Because uh, the comics mm. have shown that like the Infinity Stones are very powerful and can be used against Celestials. But whatever whatever you think about the Celestials creating the Infinity Stones or not. I don't think any of them got blipped. I don't think it was possible for them mm. to get blipped. Yeah. Given the fact that if if a Celestial had gotten like blipped away by Thanos, I think they would have reacted immediately. Catch me outside. How about that? Oh, yeah, Instead, sure. they just like let like, Thanos do his thing, right? You know, mm. Thanos snaps his little purple fingers uh, and then like <laughs> nothing happens to the Celestials. They're like, oh, we're fine. This is cool. Mm. I mean, it f***s up the birth of you know, Tiamat for a little bit, but they're yeah, Celestials. Like it, they know that's going to get the back the timeline a little bit. Yeah. Five, five years to them is nothing. It's nothing. Yeah, it's literally like, all right, like I got a little bit of a, like a five minute, like not a five minute delay, but like a 30 second delay almost. Yeah. Like, all right, that's no big deal. I can, I can yeah. wait 30 seconds yeah. uh, because like they're such long lived creatures. So yeah. yeah, I would definitely agree that if, you know, Thanos snap would have done anything, they would have shown up immediately like they showed up at the end of Eternals sure. like what's going on here <laughs> you, you're messing things up um, yeah. so and yeah. Thanos definitely I, I knows that... about the Celestials he's aware of their existence so I think mm. he's smart enough to not mess with them he was like I just need mm. to wipe out some people and then go live on my farm Yeah, I don't, I'm not trying to mess I with honestly, the Celestials today I honestly feel like his knowledge of the Celestials it's sort of what drove him mad it's like yo right. like I know that there is a certain like law to the cosmos and mm. we're sort of going off of that law. So I'm going to work in conjunction with the Celestials and not do anything to piss them off. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> they would actually love me. They would give me the play of the month. I, and I still think that Thanos was trying to stop some emergences. You know, he knew that like if mm. I wipe out the life in the universe, it'll stop new Celestials from coming about or at least slow it down a little bit. But... I'm not going to mess with any living celestials because they'll they'll come for me real fast and they'll they'll mess me up. They'll mess me up. <laughs> that messed me up pretty good. I they'll don't know if I can go uh, yeah, yeah. one on one with a terror show. I ain't trying to do that. No. Now, Brandon, who was the first supervillain to appear in a comic book? You know, if we go back to the history books, you know, there's a lot of villains out there in the comics throughout time, and there were like mm. you know comic strips that appeared in, like, newspapers before, like, comic books really got going. But I think if we mm. want to take a true comic book supervillain, came in June of 1939 in Action Comics number mm. 13. You, of course, know Action Comics this is where Superman came from. In Action yeah. Comics number 13, we meet Ultra Humanite. Uh, mm. And he was a foil of the beloved Superman, of course. 
He's the opposite of Superman in every way, essentially. He's a criminal mastermind with super advanced uh, intellect uh, and a not-so-powerful body. You know, he's like kind of confined to a wheelchair. Uh, but he precedes even Lex Luthor as a major villain for Superman. Like, once Lex Luthor showed up, he kind of took the reins. But Ultra Humanite was like the first major villain. Uh, and thanks to his advanced intellect, he's been able to survive over the years, mainly by transplanting his brain into new bodies. Since he's so smart, mm. he's able to do this without uh, the transplantation ever being rejected. That's super convenient, huh? Mm. Way to be smart, buddy. His goals already always pretty much the same. This is basic supervillain stuff. Domination of the world. You know, if you're the first supervillain, the first thing you got to do is dominate the world. Uh, I mean, and yeah. he's shown up throughout. Bar. You got to set that bar. You got you to say, this is what supervillains do. Okay, we dominate the world. Um, he's shown up. He's shown up throughout time in DC Comics, from the Golden Age to the Silver Age to Post Crisis, and he's even in the New Fifty Two, where he appeared as a creature from the Phantom Zone, uh, and then he also appeared. He transferred his brain into an albino gorilla in DC Rebirth. You know, if you're right. going to go for a strong body, go for a gorilla. Um, so that's a pretty solid <laughs> run from comics for a supervillain. I'm glad to see that. They're still showing up. Way to pay respects uh, to the OG SV Ultra Humanite. That is wild. I had no idea that Ultra Humanite was the first ever villain. Yeah, because, he's like, like the I first major supervillain to ever appear in comics. Yeah, I, I remember seeing him as a kid in the Justice League series. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, it's just weird to know that he was the first ever supervillain. So, thank you, Ultra Humanite. Um, I, I love how his name is, like, a, basically the like another version of Superman. Yeah. Ultra Humanite. Yeah, I mean, that is that is the most quintessential 1930s supervillain name. He's ultra-humanite, here to do damage. That's like, they were like, hmm, how do we make another, a foil for Superman? Hmm, who's got an idea? Ultra-humanite. What's even, what's even more than super? Uh, ultra, yes, yes, that's the Ultra. Chicken. 23 skidoo, let's go. But now it's time for our box of scraps. Oh, that box of scraps. You better get to the box of scraps. Brandon, what character from any genre or franchise would you love to see appear in the main MCU canon? Just go wild. This is Kevin Feige. He's throwing the bag. He's got all that Disney money to toss around. And he's like, I'm going to bring in mm-hmm. something that's going to rock people's minds. This would be a lot of fun. <laughs> like, this would be my childhood dreams come true. If they somehow, they open up a portal, just like in Spider-Man No Way Home, you see a, a shadowy figure coming coming towards the portal, and it crosses into our universe. But it's not a, a human size. It's, it's gigantic, okay? And what is it? It's a Megazord. That's right. Here come the Power Rangers, <gasps> baby. They're coming into our universe. Oh my God, I love you, Brandon. And now, and now, heck yeah, all five of them, they're in the bodies. And then Tommy comes over too, just for a good time. So we get the green as well. I want those OG dinosaur. I want them in the MCU. Not not the reboot stuff. I don't want to see the rebooted movie. It was fine, whatever. (laughs) I want to see the OG stuff. I want them to have outfits. I want them to do the goofy punching. You know what I mean? That's what I want in my main MCU. Shang-Chi to book it. Shang-Chi versus bro, the Power Rangers. Let's, let's go. go. Bro, I was thinking about saying that one, but I'm glad you did. So thank you so much. Power Rangers and MCU would be bananas. Bananas. Like, bananas. they would fit in very well. But I was actually going to choose another uh, team from my childhood. We got to go for the Teenage Mutant Ninja. Oh, Turtles yes. Because yes. my goodness, 
they would fit so well in the Daredevil side of the universe. And, like, with everything mm. going on with, like, you know, um, the mutants being introduced into the MCU, just make mutants turtles. Why not? Let's put, like, that. literally make them mutants. I honestly am very shocked that Disney hasn't made a move on the Ninja Turtles yet. Because, Do it. I mean, not that they're for sale. And, like, they would be very expensive. But, like, they would make a super great fit to the MCU. Just saying. Just saying. Viacom Viacom is holding on to the Turtles as hard as they can. This is true. They're like, you're not taking these away from us. The Turtles and the Daredevil teaming up to fight the hand and the foot. It it just makes so much sense. I love it. It would be great. I I would love to see Kingpin and Shredder team up. That would be a a crazy... Imagine a mashup of Kingpin and Shredder. (laughs) Just like a really big Shredder. We got that in uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles too. The secret of the use. We got that roided out shredder, baby. true. But that is it for this episode of Big Question. I want to thank Brandon, as always, for joining me on this episode. Follow him at Grin and Barrick. That is an order. Follow him at Twitter, at Grin and Barrick on Twitter. And follow me at Mastertainment on Twitter. Follow new rock stars here on YouTube. Thank you guys so much for spending time with us. And we'll see you guys next time. Goodbye. Bye.